Grant writing might not sound all that sexy, but one thing that might get you excited about it is just how much money is out there if you're looking for it. So many agencies rely on grant money to make sure they can meet their annual operation standards. Why not approach it with a tactical perspective? Dr. Violet Rimshaw is the CEO of Innovative Writing. She's a former emergency dispatcher for police, fire, and EMS. She knows what it's like to be a military spouse and a parent. Her educational background has given her unique insight into psychological wellness related to occupational identity. And she is one of the foremost authorities on securing grants for your public safety organization. In today's episode, we'll talk about some ways to strategically approach securing grants in order to get your organization the money it needs and then some. Without any further delay, here's my conversation with Dr. Violet Rimshaw. All right, Dr. Violet Rimshaw, I appreciate you coming on the Ignited Firefighter podcast. I've been kind of uh, stalking you on LinkedIn for a while because you have a very peculiar uh, skill set when it comes to grant writing and interest in that. So why don't you give us just a little bit of an introduction as to who you are and what you're doing? Sure. I am Violet and I am a former 911 dispatcher. Um, And during that time, I went to school and was working on earning my doctorate degree. And I thought I was going to go in the direction of therapy for first responders. But then along the way, I realized how many things were kind of missing on site and off site for wellness that to me, like should happen before therapy even has to happen. (laughs) And so it sort of drove me to a career in grant writing because I think a lot of reasons that agencies don't fix things is because they say that they don't have enough money. So I started to learn how I could get money for those things. And here I am today. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because like, you know, we we hail these priorities of like health and wellness, but then it's like ultimately it comes down to how much money do you have, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of, you know, the opposite of what it is that we we want to be able to do for our people. But mm-hmm. um, you mentioned, you know, your 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 background as uh, a 911 dispatcher, but then you talked about earning your doctorate at the same time. What was it that you earned your doctorate in and how how were you motivated to to make that leap? I have my doctorate in psychology and I did every time I did a paper in school, it was about some branch of first responders and their needs for mental well-being and so I I knew I was gravitating towards that Um, I did my my uh, doctoral research for my final project on dispatchers in particular and their needs and their ideas for fixing things and then it sort of propelled me to see maybe what other branches would ask for if anybody ever asked them so from there this career happened Okay, awesome. I think that's, uh, that's really great. Because, you know, we talk a big game when it comes to like being first responders, we talk a big game of like health and wellness, but mm-hmm. oftentimes, you don't really know where to start or like what resources are available to us. Yeah. Um, but why was it the, uh, the health and wellness aspect of it that that caught your attention the most? I know there's a lot of different things out there for, for grant writing in particular, like 
training equipment or you know apparatus or things like that mm -hmm. but what was it about the uh, the health and wellness aspect that kind of caught your attention well it's either not being addressed or it's being addressed in ways that are from the top down for people who don't do the job so for example um, if there is an on-staff psychologist for a county or a city that's usually the person you go to when maybe you've gotten in trouble for something or or maybe you know you're just not performing as well as they feel you should and it's it's like something you don't want everybody to know and there's a stigma so it it really bears the question well what else could we do for health and wellness that's you know preventive before a major trauma occurs what is it that we can do to intervene that's really meaningful and relevant to the people it's supposed to help and i think in each of those cases there's commonalities among first responders for what we need for prevention and intervention and even recovery um, but it's different for each branch too, depending on the requirements of the job. And the way it affects our families is an important thing to look at as well, because I think that's where a lot of the stress lies for a lot of first responders is when they're home, they're just making pretend their day didn't happen so that they don't have to burden their loved ones with it, right? Or, right. You know, why, why give them that visual too? It's bad enough that you may have a certain visual about something that happened. So I think that we would do well with a lot of um, training on both ends of that fence, the loved ones end and the first responders end on, you know, how much to tell, how to tell it, how to share it, you know, and how to not take it out on each other. Right. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you mentioned uh, prevention and recovery, and it's interesting because as first responders, you know, we have prevention on the front end and then recovery on the tail end. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what we do, if not the majority of what we do, is right in between those yeah. two things. Yeah. And so it, it's very interesting because, like, you know, I, I come from the uh, the fire service side of things, mm -hmm. and we have multi million dollar trucks built for suppression right not prevention yeah and and it's like honestly in in the majority of the fire service the the prevention department is typically very small and mm -hmm. and it's typically reserved for you know guys or gals who who might be on like a light duty assignment or some kind of uh, ancillary thing and and going through my bachelor's degree going through my program mm -hmm. i learned that prevention was really kind of a luxury right? It's kind of a luxury to have within organizations. Yeah. And it, it kind of resonates with the occupational identity of a firefighter because your job most of the time is to fix something that, that already happened <laughs> as quickly as you can, right? And so that it makes sense that um, prevention might not be the focus. You know, it's not something that anybody thinks about. It's just something that happens. Um, right. Going into schools and telling kids how to be safe is one thing, but, you know, how do you make yourself safe <laughs> for right. when you're going to go into something? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of it can be done on site if the right environment is created. And there, there right. is yeah. money for each of those kinds of things. It's just the assumption is made that Oh, especially for small departments or volunteer departments. Oh, we're, we're 
we don't have the money for all that. We have to take the little money that we have and we have to put it all these places. So we don't need all those bells and whistles, but the bells and whistles are what keep your people there and keep them healthy. Right. Yeah. We typically, you know, you mentioned smaller departments and, and when I first started out in the fire service, I worked for a really small department. There was only one station and it was like five people full-time any given day, you know, a total of 15 full-timers for three different shifts. And, and it's true. You know, you mentioned the whole, like, we don't have a lot of money for that. So we have to, you know, delegate it appropriately and make sure we're, we appear responsible and that we are responsible to, to the board and to the community. But at the same time, it's like, you want to be able to take care of your people and make sure that they can have some longevity in their career. You know, our careers, they, they constantly say like, it's a short or it's a young man's game. And, you know, I can, I can retire after 20 years and, you know, police roughly about the same, you know, we can choose to go more, but ultimately like it's, it's kind of a relatively short career, quote unquote, but with, with having these prevention ideals in mind and different resources available, it really helps us to stay in the game longer. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And if you think about it, even though maybe your years are shorter than a different career, Whew, my goodness, the things that your your body and mind go through on that career is kind of the equivalent of somebody with a longer, less traumatic career. So I think what we need to think about is how we can get money to do these things, even if it's a small agency that maybe doesn't have anybody that goes after grants or donations from the community. Maybe you're just all fitting it in wherever you can. Right. And you can still get grants. Um, you, there are different ways I would go about it depending on the size of the agency. One would be just um, look at the team that you do have and look at their skill sets and see if anybody could write, if anybody would be really good at researching grants. Um, if anybody is like really um, an extrovert and is great going out in the community asking for donations from corporations, just look at your staff and see what their, your, their skill sets are. And if there's part of that that you have, that's great. And if not, that's what you know freelance grant writers are for, just to come in and do things as you need them. The other yeah. thing you might be able to do is rather than going through your department, There are a lot of grants that are like partnerships. Um, So learn who your um, nonprofits are, not not just your department, but the nonprofits. So if you're in firefighting, you want to know your community of firefighting nonprofits across the country that are willing to help and what they help with and start networking with them on social media and you could partner up with them. Say they do something that has to do with um, scuba diving for first responders, for instance, right? We'll pull something really wild out, but it exists, it's out there. And if you partner up with them on a grant and say, okay, maybe you guys have a grant writer. Could we be on your grant you know, and get those services? So there are very many ways to go about it. You just have to realize that um, it does take money to, 
time, excuse me, to get the money. So generally yeah. for a grant, it might not come for six months to a year. So right. the time to get on it, asking for the money is now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, you got to do the work on the front end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, going to college. Uh, there's a bunch of different scholarships out there. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we just don't know what's out there. And so if we would just spend a few moments or spend some time invested in yeah. doing the research or like hunting them down, you know, we could find these things because when I was going to college, I, you know, I was trying to get money from any source I could. <laughs> it was just me putting myself through. Yeah. And so I would see things like, here's a scholarship for people with red hair, or here's a scholarship for people who like to play chess or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's really quite varied out there. Yes. And so like doing the work on the front end, mm-hmm. you really have um, <clears throat> an ability to kind of set your organization up for success down the road. Mm-hmm. Because there, there's probably a grant out there for any kind of wellness that you could imagine in your organization. And people with money are very specific as to what they want to give the money for. So um, say you do have somebody on staff that would be really good at writing the application. But the thing is, it might take you forever to find all these things on Google, and it will. Um, Then most grant writers do have software that helps them to find these things faster. So maybe that's the thing that you hire out for. Oh, I'm going to hire out for somebody who to find the 10 best grants we could apply for, for what our team wants to do. And then you get that list. And if you're trying to save money, maybe you try to apply to those now that you have the list. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's like uh, kind of getting a roster of potential, potential uh, grant sources or funding sources, and then just kind of working your way down that list and see, what it is you can pull from. So that I like that idea a lot. Yeah, I think it's really important to ask your team what they want because that's where you start. What are our biggest needs in our department? Right, yeah. Step one, identifying your needs, identifying your goals. And even if you don't really know what your needs are yet, if you have like an idea of like a vision or of goals as to where you want your organization to go, like let's say, you know, you don't want to have as we all, as we know in the fire service or in the first responder community, obesity is like kind of running rampant, right? It's kind of unique, um, <clears throat> the statistics there. But uh, let's say your vision for an organization, you want to completely eliminate, quote unquote, obesity, right? And so that that definition, you know, relies upon like the whole BMI thing and the the organizations that you're subject to when it comes to like doing your annual physicals. So if you have that vision in mind, then you can set some parameters like, oh, okay, so we really need to focus on getting our people to lose weight, becoming more consciously aware of what they're eating, and then uh, opening up like an exercise program. So then, you know, on your end of the spectrum, when it comes to grant writing, you can think of things like nutritional programming, um, maybe fitness equipment, things like that. What do you what do you think about that when it comes to like looking ahead? Do you think that's a pretty good pretty good strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Because then um, 
you are creating a team mentality too. So you're strengthening mm-hmm. your team, especially if you make it like a team challenge kind of activity that, okay, we're yeah. all going this food and exercise thing and see who wins kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and if you have like a brotherhood, sisterhood feeling in your organization, or maybe if you don't have one yet, this, this could actually help to strengthen it even more. And totally. those are no small thing when you go through rough times. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I'm 100% on board with that whole idea of brotherhood. That's, that's one of the ignited core values, you know, action, ownership, brotherhood. And honestly, like we, we spend what a good 16 to 18 weeks on the front end of our, of our careers going through an academy together. Mm-hmm. And we typically form these great bonds with these people that we go through because we're bleeding, you know, we're sweating, we're going through this pain together yeah. and it inherently creates those bonds. But then we just kind of leave it up into the wind as we go through our, our 20, 25 year career mm-hmm. and those bonds kind of get lost. And, you know, you kind of think of the people you went through the Academy with and you're like, Oh yeah, I went through the Academy with that person, but the connection kind of gets dim if that's maybe the best word to use. But yeah, I think, you know, when we can rally around this vision or rally around this cause, you know, it'll strengthen that sense of brotherhood. It will strengthen those bonds. And, and as a result, the health and wellness of the organization itself mm-hmm. increases. Uh, yeah. I like that you talked about the prevention, the recovery, um, because that's on the front end and then on the tail end, mm-hmm. you know, and like you'd mentioned, we, we typically respond to events after they've happened. Mm-hmm. And so typically we inherently only pay attention to things after it's a problem, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So what do you think are some good ways? I mean, other than, you know, formulating that vision for what you want to be, what do you think are some good ways to kind of get ahead of that before it, before it's, you know, quote unquote, too late? Well, I mean, the mind and body are so well connected that we really need to make sure that uh, departments have what they need in terms of, of those things, you know, the eating, the exercise, um, for the smaller or maybe rural departments that don't have as much money, do they actually have a place where you're going to be able to sleep well? Um, because if it's in the same area where all the noise happens, you're not really going to be as alert when it's time. Um, but there are other things too, like if we think about um, going home, um, do we have enough personal time? Do we have enough time with our families to give us resilience for when we're doing the job? Um, there are things like family wilderness retreats. Um, there is yoga specific to different branches of first responders. There are all these things that can happen on site. Does, does your department have a, a, even a small place to work out while you're there? You know, even if you're not doing that whole team thing, maybe you just need to chill by yourself because you just had a really rough call. You need to go somewhere right away. It's not going to solve your problem or your remembrance of it for the long haul, but you got to get, you know, you got to put it on a lower level as quickly as you can, or you're just carrying all that adrenaline. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And sometimes I think a lot of us don't understand that there's a difference between like we are, it's our job and we signed up for the idea that, mm-hmm. that we are responding to these emergencies, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make them our emergencies. You know, like we don't need to adopt that trauma 
And, yeah. and like one of my big things is that regardless of whatever situation you're in, you own it and, you know, you take control and then work through until you find a solution. Yeah. But when it comes to like these 911, these traumatic calls that we go on, we don't need to own their trauma. We just need to own like the situation. And I think sometimes that gets lost and like we wind up adopting that trauma. We just kind of, like you said, you know, we take on all that baggage and all of that stuff. And then, then we have a hard time putting it down if we ever even are consciously aware that we're carrying it. But uh, yeah. I think you're right. You know, the recovery aspect of it is, is huge. And I think, you know, we're seeing our inability to recover from those things in the statistics of like firefighter and, and first responder suicides that keep climbing, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we could pay more of a focused attention to the recovery aspect of it, but also yeah. the prevention. Um, so I'd like to get your insight on two things specifically, like the, the kinds in your experience, like the kinds of grants that might be out there for one, on the prevention side of things in regards to health and wellness. And then two, what would be out there on the recovery side? Cause it's honestly like two very different things. So I'd love to get your insight on that. Yeah. There's, there's federal grants and then there's private grant makers, which are called foundation grants. Okay. So that's all your organizations that would have something where they wanted to help first responders. So for government grants, a lot of them come out in the beginning of every year, and you will still see some throughout the year, but you kind of really have to keep start checking like right at the beginning of the year and, and have somebody in your world that's going to keep checking to see what's available out there. So right, you got to have your radar up, right? Yeah. yeah. So it may be um, that the department itself has to apply for a particular grant, or it may be that the organization offering the services has to apply and partner with them. So um, prevention could be anything from training before stuff happens <laughs> um, to um, team building to any kind of physical wellness that helps mental well-being. Um, intervention and recovery type things would be more along the lines of building relevant peer support because just because somebody knows some information about a branch of emergency response doesn't make them a good peer support person. They right. might be a great person even. Everybody loves right. them, but it doesn't mean that they're the best person to put in the role. Um, if people don't trust them, or if they don't have the toolkit to, you know, help somebody get through a situation without feeling stigmatized, things like that, True. that's a problem. So federal grants do often pay for um, peer support. And even um, we're starting to see finally a move towards uh, fire psychology being recognized. It's, it's like a snail's pace, but we're getting there. So if there are programs or conferences that address fire psychology, you might be able to get coverage for people to go to them, you know, so that they see that it's an actual thing. It's not just one person experiencing trouble. It's firefighters in general. 
that are experiencing common things. Yeah. So for foundation grants, it's going to be a little bit different because federal grants have the most money to them. They're usually in the ballpark of like 100 to sometimes even up to 400,000. But it depends what you're wow. asking for and it depends on the size of your department and how much money you actually do need to make it up and running. Foundation right. grants are different. They, they can be anywhere from like $1,000, you know, on up, but generally in the range of like, you know, 10 to 30,000. So if you have a project and their interests include what you're trying to do, then that's a really good fit. And you tell them what your plans are and you see if you have a shot at getting the money. Right. Yeah, that sounds good. I was going to, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like the question that comes to mind is what, in your opinion, do you think it would be, and for me, I, I know what I would default to, but I'm interested to hear what your take is on it. Like, mm -hmm. do you think it would be better to plan going into it? Like have your plan for how it is you envision your organizational needs need to be structured or presented first and then go seek out things that would fit into that? Or do you think like it would be, I don't want to say better, but maybe a, maybe just a, a different strategy to kind of see what's out there and then structure your approach based on what the grant is looking for? Do you think maybe there's a benefit to both of those or do you think one is maybe stronger than the other? There is, but I think you're going to find more if you decide what your immediate needs and your long-term goals are first, because okay. um, first responder wellness is still relatively new. Um, it, it's, you won't see as many grants for that type of mental health care as you will for name any other type. <laughs> for some yeah. reason, we're on the bottom of the list still. But I think it's mainly because people don't understand it enough yet. So True, I yeah. think it would be better to say, okay, what are our immediate needs? What does everybody think? See if there's common ones. And in 2024, what would we like to see happen here? And those are your long-term ones, right? But now at least you have some topics to look for, some nonprofits to start networking with. True. And then I think uh, once you identify as an organization, like what your needs are, I feel like you have a, a better potential to build a relationship with that organization who's offering the grant. And yeah. so that like next time, like, and like if it's an annual award or whatever it is, mm -hmm. um, you could kind of be on their radar. Like you would be on mutual radars. Does that make sense? Like yeah. they'll be on your radar, you'll be on their radar, and then maybe you'll be more apt to receiving that funding and building that relationship for the future. Yes. Um, and, and some, some places will, will award the fund more funding more than one year, depending, you know, on the relationship that you build and whether you can show that you carried out the goals that you asked for the money for. So that's True. another thing to remember is like somebody on your team is going to need a way to show that the money helped you do what you wanted it to do. True. That's a, Good point. I wrote that down because, you know, I'm a big 
proponent of, and I talk about this a lot in like my uh, exclusive group, The Forge, I talk a lot about what gets measured gets improved. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, like if we can't show the people who are willing to give us this money that we have tangible results, that it is showing like a proven improvement on this specific area or whatnot, then how can we possibly expect them to... (laughs) Yeah. to give us more money like it doesn't it doesn't track for me so that's that's great too like thinking about the idea that not only on the front end you have to have your vision and and like be able to identify your organizational needs where you want to go as an organization and then on the tail end you've got to also have someone set up or or maybe it's even the same person but you have to have a system set up to track the data specifically coming from that grant. That's a great insight. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and if you don't know how that you should collect it or what type of data you should collect, then that's another service that grant writers do too. They help you come up with a plan for your evaluation. Because especially for federal grants, you better have a way to track your progress. (laughs) Right, yeah, that's a lot of money too. Yeah, so you can't blame them, right? And even private foundations, they, you know, they're giving you money for free. And so they want to see that you're using it the way they asked you to. It's reasonable, right? Right. Yeah, it's completely reasonable. It, it totally makes sense. Like to think that, you know, you're just going to get this money and then uh, you don't have to really show anything for it. Is, it seems kind of arrogant, to be honest, with you, and dismissive. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's just people don't know. You know? It's true that too, and maybe it's a maybe it comes a little bit of like ignorance. Like, you know, I know there are people out there who who are steadily writing applications for grants every year, and so they kind of have an idea. You know, maybe they copy and paste the things and adjust some things here and there. But but some people this might be completely new to, and so they don't even know that that money's out there. They don't even know yeah. how to go about seeking it out and getting the approval. Yeah. And since COVID, so many nonprofits and so many departments are all fighting for the same money more than they did before because a lot of people took a hit. So you, you have to be on your game. You know, with, with um, the grant requirements, it's a lot to read. And you might not have anybody in your department that really has the time to do all that. If you don't do it the way they want you to right away, you're going to go in the no way pile. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Even simple things like if they say, oh, you have to use Times New Roman when you hand it in. And you might not be looking for anything like that because that's not even in your brain that that should be a thing, right? You're just like speeding right. kind of through the announcement. And you're like, yeah, okay, we need this. And then you apply, yeah. but you typed it in a different font. Right away, you're going to get thrown out. Yeah. It's it's really a time-consuming process to ask for money, but the money is. That's my main thing is figure out what your team can do. And for the rest of it, either seek a grant writer for the part that you need help with, or even the whole thing if it's easier for your department, or find somebody to team up with to apply for a grant together. And that, that actually helps your cause too. So say you did want to have um, peer support training that was really relevant. 
Say you already found the agency that knows all about fire psychology, right? So you guys team up and you go, yeah, we already have a plan. Not only do we know that we want peer support, we know that we want this agency to do it. And look, we're all ready to go. Then the person giving the money thinks, oh, this is good. This is, this is going to be something that they're going to be ready to do. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna look at you and and think, oh, they're serious about this. Yes, exactly. They've got their things, they've got their ducks in a row, and so they're they're gonna, you know, we should definitely pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you bring that up because it's like it might seem menial, but at the same time, you know, we have organizations. I'm in Arizona here, and we have organizations where, when they offer an interview to someone, they tell you specifically like, we want you in slacks and we want you in a collared polo shirt and then some people will show up in a three-piece suit and they're like bye because you obviously can't follow directions you know we specifically put it in here for you to not wear a suit that we want you specifically to wear a collared polo and if you can't follow those basic instructions you know it says a lot about you as a person. Like not only can you follow the, not follow the instructions, but you're making assumptions as to what it is you think we're looking for when we have flat out told you what we're looking for. (laughs) I I could see where that would be a problem too, because if they were hired, would they constantly be saying, I know that's the rule, but this is the way I'm going to do it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to operate outside of your rules because this is what I think you should be looking for. And it's like, no, 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 no. You, you still have to operate within that system and the adherence to that system is what is actually going to make you be more attractive to them. Yes. So that that's awesome. Um, I want to end with like the, the services that you offer, but before we get to that, I'd like to know just two things. If there were two things that you could recommend organizations do to either prep themselves to be um, more apt to receiving grant funding or maybe even being aware of them, mm-hmm. like what two, two pieces of advice would you offer organizations when it comes to grants, what's out there and what they can do to like prep themselves to be better receptive to those funds? I would say first, explain to your team that you're going to start going after some money for wellness. And in order to do that, you need their input and participation. Okay, so input, what do we need most? Um, Participation, who is willing to help and who has the skill sets to help us get this done? Okay, so make it known, basically, inquire the the people that are working for you or you're working with what their needs are Mm -hmm. and and go from there. And then, yeah. Okay. So make it known, inquire about, yeah, that makes sense. Because honestly, like if you, if you, if your team isn't aware that you're going for this thing, Mm -hmm. then it's not going to be on their radar. It's not going to be something that's at the forefront of their minds to be, you know, paying attention to. Mm -hmm. And so it, it makes sense to ask them about the needs of the situation. So like, if you want to build a robust, um, like a physical, like a robust health and wellness program, and you want exercise to be a good part of that, Mm 
then maybe step one would be like, let's take some inventory about the equipment we have, the resources we have to make sure that people can actually, you know, perform quality, like exercise programming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you want to ask about offsite stuff as well. You know, let's be honest, what, what could we use? What could we use to help us with our loved ones? Throw yeah. it out there. No idea is wrong. <laughs> that's how you get yeah. answers to things. And, and yeah, it's true. And, and this, the, the other thing I would say is that if you don't have time in people's schedules because of the nature of the job to participate in the grant writing, that is understandable and it is okay. That is not their job description. You're just asking people if they're willing to do it, right? Yeah. And you have to be willing to put just a little bit of money into um, getting some help outside of your agency, realizing that in the long run, it's going to enable you to have a lot more money. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. So um, as we wrap up here, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is you do specifically uh, through your organization mm -hmm. and then maybe how people can get in contact with you? Yeah, I do um, researching best fit grants for agencies. Um, so I'll, I'll give them, say, 10 to start with. Um, sometimes after they look at them, they say, I, I can't write these. <laughs> so <laughs> I will write the grant. Or if they want to try to write it themselves, I will proofread for them. So that's, you know, saves them a little bit of money. Um, yeah. I, I do content articles for first responder and military blogs because a lot of people don't have time to, you know, maintain the blog, but they want people to know who they are. And that's right. a good thing to have current if you're applying for grants, because they do look at your blog and your social media. Um, right. And uh, other than that, I, I do a nonprofit wellness assessment too, so that, um, you know, if you want me to come in and look at your, say you have a firefighter nonprofit and you have a, like a horrible website or, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, your board doesn't have people on it that have been in the trenches, things like that. I'll, I'll come in and right. go, okay, I'll give you a 10-page report of things that will make you front and center when grant makers, which is the people with the money, are looking. Because you, you need everything to be active. You know, your website, right. your blog, whatever it is. You need to look like you're, you're on the ball. So those right. are the types of things that I do. And... Um, you know, I can do everything from start to finish, or I can do the smallest piece that you may need. Right. And it seems like from what you're saying, you want, uh, you want your organization to present itself as refined and relevant, you yeah. know, whether or not that's like social media or their website, or even, you know, if someone were to come, because I'm sure, you know, when people are the, the grant writers, I'm sure when they are looking to give people these funds, they, I'm sure they'll send someone out in person to go look at the organizations that they're potentially giving these funds to, right? Yeah, sometimes. sometimes if it's local, but but they might be, you know, farther away. And it's not to True. say that like you have to spend a lot of money to make yourself look shiny because that's the whole point. You don't have money, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm asking for look, the grant. Yeah. You have to be connected and you have to look like you care. Right. Okay. Good, good. And it's really hard to fake that. <laughs> yeah. It's really, 
you know, you can, you might be able to fake it once, but when it comes down to it again, like you said, mm -hmm. if you don't have any data that you're tracking, it's not going to be sustainable. So exactly. you might be a one and done, but then that's it. And that, mm -hmm. and then you're just going to kind of fall by the wayside. So, well, that's awesome. Your, uh, your website is 911grantwriting.com. And yes. then people can pretty much find you on any social media based on that, or mm -hmm. do they need to like look for, you know, Dr. Violet Rimshaw? Um, I'm, well, I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Violet Rimshaw. The, um, the name of my company is Innovative Writing, okay. but I have my, my web address is 911grantwriting.com because it's easier for everybody to remember. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Good deal. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Ignited Firefighter podcast. I know um, when I first started in the fire service, I came from a very small uh, fire district and, and there were grant applications being sent out left and right to try to secure some funds. So I know that there are some people listening, you know, all over the world who are, are looking for, you know, some available sources of funding out there. And I think that that this what you're providing i think could be a great resource for people and so i want to thank you for coming on the show and giving people your your perspective and your mind yeah, absolutely all right well that wraps it up for this episode of the ignited firefighter podcast thank you guys for joining and if you have any questions or comments feel free to reach out to dr violet rimshaw on her social media platforms I will post the uh, links to your social media as well as your website in the show notes. And thank you guys for listening.